in this place, anoint our ears to hear you, anoint our hearts to receive you, have your way, in Jesus' name, amen, 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 wherever you are, you ought to be praising him. Wherever you are, you ought to be worshiping him. You, you ought to praise him. There ought to be a sanctuary right now in your living room, in your bedroom. There ought to be a sanctuary right there. Hallelujah. God bless you. I love you. God bless each one of you. I'm so glad you tuned in today to this wonderful worship experience. I want to take just a few moments today and I want to talk again from a theme that I have been on for the last few weeks. The theme comes out of the book of Jonah. This is Jonah chapter 4, read in your hearing were verses 1 through 5. I won't repeat the reading right now since I will do it in the sermon itself. But Jonah 1 through 5 has a setting. Let's, re let's again get the title, God of a Second Chance. This is part four, God of a second chance. And just that first verse says, but it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. Thank you so much. God of a second chance. <clears throat> it's interesting to me that when we look at this writing here and particularly this text, Jonah comes off of a preaching mission that is one to be envied by any preacher. Any preacher who's ever sought to take to the pulpit, whether the pulpit be a physical place where they were standing or the pulpit walking around in the marketplace, any preacher who has ever sought to speak a word on behalf of the great sponsor God knows that the goal is to get a response. And the response is that their people, men, women, boys, and girls, would turn their face towards a loving God and would ask for God's forgiveness would seek God's face for divine favor and comfort. That's the goal. It is, it is the thing that is most enviable, the one that all men and women want to do. What one has to recognize here is that Jonah achieved great preaching success. He achieved great success as a minister. He preached the gospel as he was giving it good news in a way. And then when he preached his word, he gave it to them, and they took the word that Nineveh would be destroyed, 
and they internalized it, acted on it, and saved themselves through their repentance. They went down in sackcloth and ashes. So remarkable was the word he gave that Jesus would repeat it. And he said, and he reminded them in the New Testament how great was the victory of the word that went forth on that day. And the word from Jonah's lips. It's important that you see that because you're looking now at not only what happened in the physical, in the presence of others. Chapter 4 gives us what happened in private. And I want to say this word, you ought to get this. I know you may not be a preacher, pastor, teacher, but you ought to hear this. Just because someone may do private, do public worship doesn't mean they don't have private pain. Just because someone may be a public proclaimer doesn't mean that in private they're not pitiful. Just because someone may go out and be able to offer practical advice from a pulpit that actually changes and revolutionizes your life does not mean that that individual is all that in a bag of chips. No, God can use anything. He used donkeys and fish, so he can certainly use some preachers that act like the same. Oh, don't be offended. Don't be offended. I'm just being real with you today. Don't over-idolize ministers or preachers or pastors or prophets. Recognize that people doing a prophetic work, that people doing a work on behalf of God. They don't have power. They just have learned how to allow the power to flow through them. And if you get your eyes off them and get your eyes back on God, you'll never be disappointed if they have a moral foible or failure because you realize there is no failure in God, but there's always failure in people. We're looking at a flawed character here. We're looking at a flawed individual here. We're looking at somebody here who has done God's work and God's bidding and is literally angry with God that God has relented and has given mercy unto the people of Nineveh. He's literally upset that, that he, he's actually upset that the sermon worked. <laughs> he, he's mad the sermon worked. I wish, let, let, me, let, me, let me say it another way. There, there's some people that might tell you the right thing, but not want you to take the advice. They might tell you the right thing, but in the, in the back of their mind, they're hoping you don't do it because they know what it would mean if you did it. Matter of fact, there's some people, not Jonah in this text, this is just a real life example, who hope you will fail so that they can pick up your failure and enter it into their success. Here it is. I feel like preaching this morning. I, I feel an anointing on this. Here it is, Jonah, 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 Jonah. Jonah has already, he started out flawed by running. He started out flawed by trying to get out of the task. But there was an assignment on his life, and God picked him up in a submarine fish and had him reemerge on dry ground after he prayed his way out of the great belly of the fish. And, and here, here, God chapter 3, relents after the prayers and sackcloth and fasting of the people. And the first thing chapter 4 says was, it displeased Jonah. 
let me let me break this down for you. I want to help you right here. Number one, number one, number one. Jonah is emotionally exhausted. He's emotionally exhausted. Uh, before before you beat up on him too hard, I, I know I laid into him in the beginning, but but let me give you some background before we before we overbeat him down. You you need to realize that that Jonah has a has a history with Nineveh, and the people of Israel have a history with Nineveh, and that history would go on for years. It would be the Ninevites and then called Assyrians who would surround the people of God and would starve them. Those, those same Ninevites were cutthroat and mean and they would go after small villages and they would keep people oh, they, they, they would keep people from being prosperous. You've got to remember these were not friends of Israel. They were enemies of Israel. So Jonah is preaching a word to these folk and Jonah is not stuck in some particularism that only he wants Israelites to be saved but he doesn't care for universalism either that God would save somebody other than Israel. He's in this position where God has sent his Jewish self on down there to this place here where the enemies of Israel are and God has given these people a second chance. And Jonah's tired. Stay with me for a moment. He is, A, he's displeased. But B, he's also disappointed. He's disappointed that they have, that they have been given a second chance. But he's also discouraged because, because if they get a second chance, what will they do with it? Will it mean further destruction for my people? Will it mean another siege for my community? Will it mean that these folk will come after us with greater power and veracity? What, what does it mean that they've got a second chance? How will they treat the second chance? He's disappointed, but, 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 but he's also discouraged. He's discouraged. He's discouraged. This was a chance to get back at these jokers. This was a chance to, to take out enemies. This, this was a chance to get them. This, this was a chance to knock them out. This was a chance to do them harm. Uh, there, there is um, the, new Spock, the new Star Trek series has this uh, Spock meeting with the new Captain Kirk, played by Chris Pine. And upon their meeting, they meet after Chris Pine's character who plays the new Captain Kirk. They meet after he has cheated on the test. And he has re-rigged the test so that he could win. And they get off to a bad start. And all through it, they have a bad relationship. And the relationship goes even further downhill after Spock watches his home world get destroyed. At one point, they get in a fight later on to become closer. But there's a scene in there where the emotionally compromised Spock is so exhausted and so messed up in his mind that when he is given an opportunity to save their enemies and to follow the prime directive, Kirk stands up, looks at the enemy across the way, the same one who has killed Spock's homeland, and he looks at them and he says, we're prepared to save you. We're prepared to rescue you. If you will come now, surrender, we will bring you in and rescue you. And uh, Spock looks at him and says, no, 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 we're not. And they turn around and talk. He said, 
Kirk looks at him and says, I thought you would like this. You, you were telling me to follow the rules earlier. You were telling me we ought to be to follow the prime directive. Now, he said, yeah, not this time. This time, kill my enemy. Y'all ain't got that. Y'all ain't got that. But I'm trying to help somebody here. When you are emotionally exhausted and compromised, your values change. You'll say things you wouldn't normally say. You'll do things you wouldn't normally do. You'll act in ways you wouldn't normally act. Don't just look at what somebody does. Find out how compromised they might be emotionally exhausted. Yeah, yeah, I feel like preaching, y'all. Y'all, he, 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 he was displeased, he was disappointed, he was discouraged. Y'all need to put this on the screen real quick because he was nearly depressed at the outcome. I, 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 I need you to understand something. He was nearly depressed. He was depressed. He was so upset that they were there. He was mad at God. I, I want to just, uh, I feel like I, like I want to break this down one more time because maybe you didn't get it with the emotional exhaustion. You see, when you have watched the wicked men and women excel while good folk be pushed aside. When you watch racists run to the top and achieve while the poor and those black and brown folk get pushed aside. When you have watched people be beaten in the street for no more than just walking down the street. Uh, you, 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 get a little, you get a little jaded, you can get a little depressed, you can get upset. I watched this in Buffalo, New York the other day that they decided they weren't going to prosecute anybody for slamming an elderly gentleman to the ground who was just standing in front of an officer, just slamming the ground, having him hit his head, blood running from his head and walking over him. But nobody will get, you, it can mess with your thinking, it can mess with your mind, it can, you, you, you want some kind of justice. You, you start saying things that maybe you don't quite mean the way they sound, but frustration and emotional exhaustion will make you say and think some things that maybe you wouldn't say or think any other way. But number two, number two, not only was he emotionally exhausted, but he was emphatically enraged. Emphatically enraged. I, I love that. I love that projection right there. Yeah, you, you, this when you grab your hands, you ball up your fists, and, and even though you can't fight, you feel like you want to fight somebody. He, he, anybody, you just want, if, if I could just punch him right in their face, I, I, yeah, I'll Punch him in their throat. It just y'all know I'm preaching the truth. Y'all, y'all can lie somewhere else. Sometimes you can become so enraged by life that you lose your ever-loving mind. Let me let me tell you how upset he was. I'm, I'm preaching now. I'm gonna tell you just how upset he was. He was so upset that he yelled at God. Now that's a whole lot of upsetment right there. I've, I've been upset before. I ain't never lost my mind. Not like that, here it is. Jonah 4.1 in the Message Bible says, Jonah was furious. He lost his temper. 
he yelled at God. He lost his temper. He yelled at God. You know, I'm so glad that God's so nice and loving and sweet. Because, you know, I, I'm going to tell y'all, I don't handle being yelled at too well. And at my size, I don't have to. <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't suffer fools well. I don't I don't have that gift. I don't have it. I don't have it. And I can only imagine how God must have felt. Because all God would look at it like all I do is go, Phew. I don't even have to pick my finger. I don't even, even pick a pinky finger up. I go, poof. Puff the magic dragon. Poof. Listen, listen. You you he had lost his ever-loving mind. He yelled at God and he said, God, I knew it when I was back home. I knew it. Start yelling at God. Listen, he was so upset with God and displeased and angry. But, but then, but then, but then, but then, I, I, I'm just going to work through these first two verses. I don't have time to get more than that. But, but number three, number three, he was empathetically empty empathetically empty ah uh, this 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 is a good one right here this is a good one jonah was so upset and zealous for the people of god that he didn't care about the lives of anybody else he 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 stopped seeing what really would happen on the ground if God destroyed Nineveh. And he couldn't see that because he only saw them as his enemies. Let me, let me help you right here. You see, one of the problems with people right now, Republicans and Democrats and, and far right, far left, is that we stop seeing each other as people and start seeing each other as parties. So then we can use language of war and let's annihilate them, let's kill them, let's knock them off. I can't stand them, let's, let's starve them, let's push them to the side, let's withhold this program from them. As though you are withholding your program from a party and not from people. As though real lives are not at stake with everything that happens. As though you can actually storm the Capitol and not kill somebody. As though, thanks be to God, listen to me, I want y'all to get this. Thanks be to God, privilege kept us from having mass funerals. Because if it wasn't for the privilege, trust me, the guns would have come out. That's what they called for. That's what they wanted when other people were walking the street protesting violence and injustice. They called for them to have the guns come out. Thanks be to goodness, privilege kept them from shooting. Y'all ain't got this. Because I ain't mad at it. Because I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see an officer be beaten to death. I want to see a woman jumping through a window and being shot. I didn't want to see it. 
I didn't want to hear about two police officers who were so emotionally exhausted from their jobs and careers and from their life experiences, both personally and publicly, that they gave up their lives by their own hands. This is real. Just like Democrats cried when Hillary lost, yes, Republicans cried when Biden won. You got to hear me here. And there are millions of people on both sides crying, and we got to stop looking at each other just as enemies. We's people, y'all. He was empathetically empty. Y'all don't get this. Here, here's the whole nutshell of the sermon. I'm not through with the sermon yet, but here's the whole nutshell that God teaches Jonah in the last verse. So I'm going to skip to the last verse to make myself real, real clear up front in this message today. The last verse is what God said it's been all about. God says to Jonah, he says, verse 11, in the Amplified Version, the, the last verse says, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and their left hand and are not yet accountable for sin, as well as many blameless animals? God says, my empathy goes to this 120,000. Regardless of who they are, what they look like, I want you to understand, I care about them. Let me, let me close up. My, my, my time is almost up. I'm, I, I need to help you. You need, you need, if you are struggling now with empathizing on the other side of whoever it is you're in, relationship with, rethink the struggle. Because you might not be what you ought to be. You see, he has a wanton disregard for human life. He doesn't realize life is too precious to disregard it. Life is too precious to disregard it. And all life is precious. All life is precious. All life is precious. Some people getting upset because somebody says Black Lives Matter. And, and I, I want to I help some folk right now because you got you to realize that's no different than, than, than we have five houses out in the street there that are red and the one in the middle in the blue is on fire. And someone wants to know which house to put out. It's the blue house. And, and I know we got a bunch of red ones, but blue houses matter. Y'all missed it, come on back. I'm gonna preach it anyway, you're gonna get this here. Jonah, I know they're not Jews. They're Ninevites. And I know you are a Jew, but I need you to go over here to the Ninevites, cause Ninevites matter. Listen, you got to understand, God says, I 
care about people. Yeah. Come on, come on in. Too often we ascribe to limited grace. We only want to give grace to folk we like. You ever notice how easy it is for you to forgive yourself for stuff you do wrong while holding against somebody else for a lifetime? You want to be forgiven, but you got to work on your forgiveness quotient. Let, let me, let me, I got to close, I got to close. Last point, and I'm going to leave it for long. I'll pick it up next week because this is going to preach itself. This last point is, is one more thing Jonah had. I want to tell you this. Jonah was extremely exact. Extremely exact. This last point doesn't have to be made, but since I'm the only one here preaching it, I'm going to make it my way. <clears throat> Jonah, Jonah said, told God, I knew, I knew you were going to do this. That, that's why I ran away. That's why I didn't want to have nothing to do with it. That's why I went down to Tarsus. That's why you found me on a boat. Uh, I guess you made me get off the boat. <laughs> I knew, I knew it was you. I knew this was what you were going to do. And then Jonah starts describing God. And Jonah said, I knew it because you are, Amplified Version here says, you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and great in loving kindness. And when sinners turn to you, you revoke the sentence of disaster against them. I knew it. Jo Jonah, thank you so much. Because what you just said was what we all believe. And it's the God that we all need. That's the kind of God we have. Let me run back through it, and I'm going to stop for the morning. But get this real quick. Jonah said, Jonah said, God is seen as gracious. The word there is Hunan. He is the Hunan God. This word Hunan communicates the attitude of the Lord toward those who are undeserving. God, here's my attitude towards the undeserving. Here's my attitude. My attitude is gracious. You, you don't deserve it, but I'm here for it. My attitude is gracious. I, I didn't say you were good. I said, Lord, you were good. I didn't say I was good. I said, Lord, you were good. I didn't say I deserved it. No, I said, your mercy endure forever. God, God I, I didn't say it, it happens sometime, but you're good all, y'all ain't got it, y'all. Listen, listen, God, 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 God is the, the word here is compassionate. The word compassionate word, rahum, that word is loving or merciful. God is a loving, merciful God. Thank you, Lord. I need your loving mercy. I need it every day. And God said, I'm merciful. Now, that, now that's important, y'all, because some of us know if it was not for the Lord's mercy, we would be consumed. My, 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 my good deacon, Deacon Wiggins, loves to sing that song, Your Grace and Mercy bought me through. I'm living this moment because of you and I want to thank you and praise you too because your grace and your mercy bought me through. I hear you, Deacon Wiggins. That, that song says, I know it ain't me. It's all about you. Your grace and your y'all ain't got it yet. Let me 
Here's what he said. He said, you got to understand. But that word also expresses something else. It, it, that, that word for compassionate says another thing. It, it's not just compassionate, but the word also expresses the understanding of the loving compassion of a mother to a child. Lord have mercy. Listen, listen. It is not just the compassion of, of just me loving you and you loving me. It's how a mama loves her baby. How she'll hold him and caress him and keep up with him. When everybody else abandoned Jesus, mama was even at the cross. Because a mama will love you through life into the eternal life. The mama gonna love you all the way. And God says, I got the compassion of a mama loving her baby. Thank you, Lord. Like, like, I want you to get this here. I'm like a mother hen walking over my brood. I, I love you anyhow. Come, come on, I'm almost done. God is also described as slow to anger. The word is apine. And that word actually means that, that you got to get this now. I'm slow to anger or patient and long-suffering. In other words, you, 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 you're not going to make me so mad that I'm just going to kick you out. Because when you think you made me mad, I'm coming back and loving you some more. And, and thank you, Lord. You know, some of us would have gotten on the nerves of other people who would have kicked us to the side. But God has kept loving you long after you messed up. God's been patient with you. Somebody I'm preaching to right now, you know the Lord has given you so many second chances. You done lost count of all the second chances you've had. But what you've got to recognize is God is a long-suffering, patient God. God loves you so much that he's not going to give up on you. And I need to preach a word to somebody about ready to give up. Don't you dare give up on yourself. God's not giving up on you. Don't you give up on yourself. God's not giving up on you. Don't you give up on yourself. I got to go, y'all. I got to go. I got to go. But then he said, God, you, you are abounding in love. <clears throat> you just abounding in love. And, and, and the, the kind of abounding love you got from me is that hesed, that, that hesed love. That, that's the love that refers to the covenant love. That, that, that's covenant love. I, I love you like a covenant. I'm, I'm going to keep my covenant. I, I got that hesed love. My, my, my wife's sitting over here and I look at her and say, I got that hesed love. I got that covenant love. We, I ain't going nowhere. I got that kind of love going to hang around that'll, that'll walk with you. I got the kind of love that's going to be there. I may not be perfect, but I'll be yours. You got to realize that's the kind of love God has for us. It's the kind of love that will redeem you, that expresses itself in redemption from sin. It's the kind of love that has the kind of qualities that is unfailing love. And what God says is my love for you is deeper than the ocean. My love for you is higher than the sky. My love for you is wider than the world. God said, I love you with an everlasting love. And since God has loved us, I heard Lionel Richie said, if you really want to know what kind of love God is, he said, Jesus is love. And I know he won't let you down. 
Jesus is love. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friend. Jesus is love. And I know he won't let you down. In case you don't believe it, you've got to realize he is the gift that God has given on this Valentine's Day. You already got the greatest gift for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. That's the kind of love God demonstrated towards Ninevites who were not Jewish but were loved. And I'm going to explain that to you. How God loves us beyond our own comprehension. And how we who claim to be believers must learn to model that love to one another in Jesus' name. This has been the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Wow. I'm sorry, y'all. I, I just had to get it out. I wanted to finish it. I just, I got more to do. I want to thank God for you tuning in today. Wherever you tune in from, I don't care if you're in California or if you're down south in Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, wherever you are, I want you to understand I welcome you to Shiloh, to this cyber sanctuary. I want you to partner with us. Become a cyber member. And whenever you're in southeastern Connecticut, come visit your home church and tell everybody this is where I belong. I'm a part of this cyber ministry. Come on, you can contact us and do the above listed numbers that are there. You call us, tell us, I gave my life to Christ today. When you call that number, we will talk with you. We will pray with you. And we will let you know how much God loves you. I hear it. God has done a great thing. And I want you to know if you accept him as your personal savior, you will feel the love and power that only he can give. Well, saints, I'm going to invite you now. Partner with us in ministry. Give your tithes. Give your offering. Up on the screen now are ways to give. So give. Cash app. Givelify. Mail it in the old-fashioned way. And we will be able to continue to do what God has called us to do. This is a pandemic, so we need those that, that can to do so that you can make up for those that can't. And so that the can'ts don't worry about it. Don't you worry about anything. When God calls you to prosper, then you go back. You see. But as God blesses those who God has blessed, you make sure you sow your tithes, you sow your offering, and let God cause increase to come upon your life in every area. I love each one of you with the love of the Lord. Happy Valentine's Day to all of you. Happy Valentine's. I don't care if you don't have a boa boo or anybody boo boo. And you got to understand that you are loved 
One is not, is not a loneliest number. No, one is a whole number. And you're whole by yourself. And don't fool yourself. Everybody in relationship ain't all that happy. So you make sure that you celebrate you today. You celebrate you. Celebrate being alive. Celebrate knowing God. Celebrate your happiness. And you don't need anybody else to make you happy. Or you'll be another Tyler Perry movie. I can do bad all by myself. So understand that God loves you. We love you today. I want to thank you for joining us. God bless you. I don't know if there's any announcement I need to make. If not, you please have a great day today. Remember now, next week we begin to fast, the consecration. So if you're going to get, eat that Russell Stover's, that Godiva chocolate or whatever your favorite brand is, Eat it Monday and Tuesday because Wednesday starts to fast. All right? So if you want those chocolate chip cookies with the good chocolate chips in them and, and you bought a couple packs of them, make sure you start eating tonight. Get your milk and go ahead and eat your cookies to your heart's content. Just eat them. Amen. Especially the chocolate chip cookies with the good cooked chocolate. <laughs> Just enjoy those cookies. Amen. But we are starting the consecration on Wednesday. We start the consecration on Wednesday. Whatever you have to do like Mother, Mother Winston used to do. Mother Blanche Winston said, any candy I had left, I said, oh, you got to throw it out. She said, oh, no. She said, we, we don't throw our candy. I put it in the freezer. <laughs> 